Good morning. I'm Noah Winter, and I'm part of Granada Youth. Today, I'll be reading our scripture from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. God bless you. Great job, Brad. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? Excellent. Awesome. I'm Avelio, I'm one of the pastors here. I specifically work with uh, middle and high school youth. I also went to Morph last week and I also got shot. Um, So I just wanted to put it out there. So no one left unscathed. Uh, this, uh, This morning, I have the privilege of continuing our vision series, which is entitled, You Can Enjoy God. Uh, Last week, we talked about how we are made to worship. We're created with a heart for worship, a heart to worship God. Sin has corrupted us and drawn us away, so we chase after many idols. We chase after so many different things to worship, but God in his grace and mercy has rescued and redeemed our hearts so that we can go back to him and we can enjoy God through worship because we recognize there's nothing and no one greater and more deserving of our worship than him, God alone. This week, we're going to look at our pillar called Walk With Me, which focuses on the beauty of community, how we really do life together as believers, because by nature, we're relational beings, right? God has created us for relationship with him, but also for relationship with each other. We thrive after it. We seek it, and we can enjoy God through community. I remember uh, just over 10 years ago, a group of friends and I, we decided to go on a trip and we said, let's go to a place where we would otherwise never go, right? So we chose Hawaii. And Hawaii, as you've seen it, you know, whether you've seen it in pictures, whether you've seen it on TV, maybe you watch Hawaii Five O, old or new, that's fine. I'm not gonna age anyone here. But it is as beautiful, actually more beautiful as it looks in pictures and on screen. And so we went to Hawaii and we went to uh, several different islands. We went to different villages and towns. We went to a lot of beaches, right? We went to the place where they filmed the original Jurassic Park that was actually filmed there in Hawaii. Beautiful. But there was this one place that just really took our breath away. And it was, uh, it's on the island of Maui, and it's called Mount Haleakala. And this mountain is amazing because it's really tall. It is over 10,000 feet above sea level. 
And so as you're going up the mountain, they're telling you, they drive you up so you could take a look at the peak. And they tell you, take a jacket because as you go up, the, the temperature drops a couple degrees, right? And there's a lot of wind chill. And if you're from Miami, you're like, what is that? Wind what? Chill? Cold? Jackets? So you're going up, and I think you'll see a picture of this. Uh, there's a, a picture coming up. As you look out, it is so beautiful. But the higher you go, you are literally in the clouds, right? And so right there, that picture, let's stop right there for a moment. When you see that picture, that's not on an airplane. That's not on a helicopter. That's at the peak. You're so high, you're literally in the clouds. And I just remember looking out over God's creation and just seeing that sunset, which is that perfect time to go, and just thinking, wow, this is so amazing. I'm so glad I'm here with other people to share this moment. I think you'll see a picture uh, of a part of our group there, just on the peak and just looking over. Because if I was there by myself, the first thing I would have thought of was, I need to tell somebody about this. I need to come back with someone because we're made for community. We're made for relationship. God desires for us to have relationship with him and he desires for us to have relationship with each other. And it's been designed like this from the very beginning. God in Genesis 2.18, after creating the first person, Adam, he says, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So right from the beginning, God designated, it's not about being one person. You shouldn't be alone. You need more. You need relationship. And after creating the first couple, he doesn't just stop there. He gives them a mandate. Genesis 1.28, he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. So God, in his abundant grace, says, I want to bless you. And guess what? I want you to make more of you and continue making more of you and build families and build communities and build cities and build a kingdom, right? And continue growing that you could see the glory of God and that you could enjoy him in community. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that we could come together here, Lord, not as people in a building, but as a family, as a community. Lord, from, from the very beginning, from the start of creation, you saw this moment in time and you blessed it that we could come here together, that we could enjoy you through worship and we could enjoy you through relationship and that the greatest thing that draws us together is you and your spirit. So Lord, we pray that you would bless this time, that you would bless your word upon our hearts, God, and that we would be fruitful and flourish according to your will and purpose. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the text for this morning uh, comes from Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. The Colossian church was uh, a church in Asia Minor in modern-day Turkey, and it wasn't even started by Paul. It was started by a man named Epaphras. While Paul was on his missionary journey in Ephesus, Epaphras heard the word. He heard the gospel, and he took it back to his community. And there in Colossae, the, the church got started and began. 
Now, Paul's writing this letter as a warning and as an encouragement because what ends up happening is that the church starts straying a bit. There's something that is attacking their faith. It's attacking the very fabric of what they believe in their community. And there's some false teachings that are taking place. And so they're veering into worldly practices and false worship. So at the beginning of this very chapter, Paul actually makes uh, some negative commentary and says, don't be like this. Don't engage in these practices. Stay away from sexual immorality, impurity, idolatry, anger, obscene talk. Don't lie to each other because that's not who you are. But then afterwards, he reminds them why. Because it's not just behavior. It's not just, oh, I need to act this way. I need to be on my best behavior. But it's part of their identity. It's not ritual practice or habit forming. It's a reality of the follower of Jesus. It's not simply holding to a set of rules, but that we are actually supernaturally transformed. And so to live this life, not just as individuals, but as a community, we need to walk with character. Paul points out that this is who you are, the nature of your new identity. You are not that old person anymore. You're a new person. And the new person has the inward transformation that reflects these virtues, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. What makes these virtues so distinct is that they oppose the nature of the world that we live in. It opposed the nature of the world that they, that they lived in. They were actually falling into some of these practices and he's saying, no, 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 no. Remember, that is not who you are. This is who you are. Now, I'm sure you could go out into the world and you could find people, you probably know some people that exhibit some of these virtues, but you would be hard pressed to find people that exhibit all of these virtues on a consistent basis without the power of the Holy Spirit. Because as we look at these virtues, we see the common thread that ties them all together. All of these focus outward. See, they're not focused on the self, they're focused on being selfless. Think about these and how you live in community successfully seeking the well-being of others, wanting for them to be fruitful and to flourish while not worrying about yourself because the community is wanting you to flourish and be successful. It results in sacrifice and selflessness. Michael Josephson, a former attorney and law professor who has dedicated the majority of his adult life and career to the topic of ethics and character, puts it this way. Character is not only doing the right thing when no one is looking, it's doing the right thing when everyone is looking. It's being willing to do the right thing even when it costs more than you want to pay. It comes through not having my own personal safety net but relying on Christ and the community he has given me into. The community that he has given himself for. Because when you look at these virtues, you think, who could possibly be the one person that exhibits this? Who could possibly be the person that I look at these virtues and I say, oh, this, this is exhibited in so and so. Well, when you look at these virtues, the first person that has to come to mind is Jesus. And then everyone who seeks to be like Jesus. 
That's what also makes the community of Christ so distinct. They're chasing after the good of others because in that good, they themselves find their own good. It's their own success. It's not the my mentality. It's not the me mentality. It's the we mentality. Let's look at Jeremiah 29, 7. Here are the people of God taken into captivity, taken into Babylon, and they're in a place surrounded by enemies, people who do not love or care for them, people who do not have a way of life that is similar to theirs. As a matter of fact, it actually opposes their way of life. It offends their way of life. And look at what God says to his people. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Seek the good of those around you. Pour your heart out towards those around you because in their good, you will see your own good. And God is saying this to these people in a foreign place. So how much more after the cross of Christ and within our own communities should we have a heart for our neighbor, for the one right next to us, for the one of our household, for the one of our community? How much more should we be thinking about the person that walks into a room like this and maybe their first thought is, what is this all about? Who are these people? Do I belong? Do I fit in here? Our hearts need to be focused outward toward that. That's why God has placed us in community. So then how do we do that? That's the next big question. We seek the Lord, our hearts are transformed, we're like-minded, we have a desire for God, we have a desire for one another, so everything should be great, right? We never disagree. We never get into a fight. Everything is awesome. I noticed all the married couples right away started looking at each other. <laughs> Everybody. There's some people that are looking around, they're like, I don't know about this. Of course not. There's, there's a reality of conflict because we all have been offended and we all have offended. So how do we resolve it? How do we walk with one another? We're actually told in this scripture that we should bear with one another. The word bear is literally the phrase to put up with. It's the same word used when Jesus calls out the people for their lack of faith in Mark 9, verse 19. It says, and he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? And so you're thinking, okay, so... In order to be in community, I gotta put up with stuff? And this is, this is what God calls me to? You gotta put up with it, right? It doesn't sound too appealing. But there's another word that we could use there. Uh, it's the word endure. We can endure. See, put up is not just take it. It's not just don't say anything, but it's sacrifice, walk with, endure. Right? The idea is that we as people, as a community, we're living life together. We're on a journey together. Don't check out. Don't step out of the race. Don't just say, this is too hard, I gotta get out. But endure in this race with one another. Endure and encourage each other. Walk alongside each other. Carry each other's burdens. There's going to be conflict. 
But look at how the greatest conflict in human history has been resolved with love and forgiveness. So also as we walk, we walk through difficulty with love. And Paul doesn't hesitate to remind us of that. He says, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And here's the message of the gospel. As you live in community, you cannot survive and you cannot thrive without it. You need the gospel. The greatest conflict in human history was between us and God. And God brought the resolution. He brought the reconciliation by the cross, which we celebrated just a few weeks ago. That forgiveness did not cost us a thing. God paid the price in full in the life, death, and resurrection of his very son, Jesus Christ. In that, he reconciled us to himself. So every awful thing that you could have done, every worst thing that you could have thought of or have thought of, God has forgiven you. And he applies that forgiveness to us. He takes Jesus' right standing with himself, gives it to us, and Christ took our sin upon him. So that we, without having to pay a thing, can receive forgiveness. And our brother receives that forgiveness. Our sister receives that forgiveness. The debt has been completely canceled. In 2020, we dealt with so much. Seems so long ago, but still seems like yesterday. And some of us, we're, we're probably still struggling, some of us dealing with some of the chaos that came from 2020. It was the height of the pandemic, but it was also the height of racial tension, especially dealing with police. In one town in Pennsylvania, there was this police officer that was in a horrific crash. And in this crash, his car started catching fire. But then there was a man that just came out of nowhere, an unlikely person that rushed to the aid of this officer. And he helped to pull the door open and grab this officer and pull him to safety just as the car was being consumed by flames. Now you're thinking, well, why is that so amazing? Well, because this man, Dalen McLee, had every reason to look the other way or just let it be somebody else's problem. See, Dalen had previously been falsely arrested and sat in jail for over a year before he was given justice and fully acquitted. But when asked why he aided this officer, because he had every reason to say, I don't need to be anywhere with police, he was running into a risk that he could be seen as a threat, that he himself could be injured by what was going on. But he went out there, and afterwards when he, went at, when he was asked, he gave this message about why he did that and also gave a message to the officer who had falsely accused and arrested him, costing him a year of his life, and this is what he said. There is value in every human life. We're all children of God, and I can't imagine just watching anyone burn, no matter what the other people have done to me or other officers. I thought, this guy deserves to make it home safely to his family. I don't want to be called a hero. I just want to be called 
I just want to be known as an individual who is an upstanding man. No matter what or when, just an upstanding person. And hear the message to the guy who cost him a year of his life. And I hope that trooper sees this and knows he's forgiven. Uh, this is Dalen meeting with the officer he saved uh, a few weeks later. And this officer, Jay, he said, I owe this man my life. There was no reason for him to come to my rescue, but I'm so glad that he did. See, the price of forgiveness has been paid. The things that it could cost us are the things that we should actually try to get rid of. Our pride, our ego, our sense of personal worth. Because those are the things that diminish the character of Christ in us. But as we submit to Christ and to one another, more and more we look like the true people of God. Because we move ourselves aside and we let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Because as a community, we're not a wandering people without a leader. We know that our leader is our king. It's Jesus, and it's his authority we submit to. And so daily, we submit our hearts to him. And ultimately, that's what makes everything possible. Jesus. So when we invite someone to walk with me, we're letting them know that we walk centered on Jesus. I mean, Jesus is literally the author of this invitation. He calls his disciples to follow him. He calls them to come to him. The implication is to always be with him, to walk with him, to learn from him. Paul continually crescendos his thought throughout this, uh, this scripture. Here as he says, you're chosen, you're holy, you're beloved. So guess what? Your attitude and your character, who you are inside is like this because of Jesus. It's not because of you. It's not because you tried so hard and you finally attained it and you accomplished it. It's because God has done a supernatural work in our hearts. So when you hit those patches in life that are difficult to undertake as people, this is how it works itself out. This is what it should look like. And so you're thinking, okay, so how is this happening in my life daily? How do we as a community walk forward? How do we walk with each other and set the grounds for this to happen? And here it is. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The emphasis here is not just thinking about, okay, what did Christ say? But the emphasis here is, what did Christ say? And what does the Bible say about Christ? Paul is not just saying, listen to the words of Jesus, but listen to all the words about Jesus. He's pointing us not just to the New Testament, but he's pointing us to all of Scripture. Because all of Scripture points to Jesus Every prophet, every priest, every king points to Jesus, the perfect prophet, priest, and king. So if you want to walk with Jesus, you, want to, you have to walk in his word. And how we walk in his word as a community is teaching and admonishing. This is a perfect example of why we do groups here at Granada. As we discuss topics and issues and ask questions, we're not just learning material. We're doing so much more. We're investing time. We're investing opportunities. We're investing ourselves in actually doing life together. 
We're taking a chance of being vulnerable and getting to know people and opening ourselves up to build something that will last and to be a testimony to others. Not because of how awesome we are, right? Even though some of us do think we are awesome. But really it's not because of how awesome we are. It's actually despite how broken we are. It's actually despite how awesome we are not, but thanks to how good God is. That's the one amazing thing about the Christian community. Many times it doesn't make sense. You look, uh, you look at the group of believers and someone might say, these people are as different as different can be, right? What could possibly draw them together? Look at the disciples, look at those 12 disciples. Jesus didn't just walk into a room and say, one through 12, you guys, come with me. We're gonna do something cool. He didn't do that. He walked around and he chose these people with a purpose. He chose these men with a purpose, but these men were different. They had different backgrounds. They were from different places. They actually, some of them had different political views and they were still drawn together. Why? Not because they said, okay, we'll compromise, we'll make it work, but because Jesus was at the center. Jesus is the one that drew them together. Jesus makes a community where one would think no community could exist. And only the power of the Holy Spirit can accomplish this. Diversity and unity going hand in hand. Racial and ethnic reconciliation. Broken relationships restored. Teaching and then also admonishing. Listen, Paul is working down this list and he's not saying, hey, look how easy it is. He's actually drawing this out and the words as you're reading them, you're thinking, this is hard. This is difficult. I don't know that I could call someone out and tell them and correct them and tell them, hey, your life's not going the way it should or you're wrong on this because the word admonishing literally means a stern warning or correction. Yet somehow in the body of Christ, it can work because you recognize that criticism is not to put you down, but because of the heart it comes from, it's used to build up to strengthen, to create deeper character. And as we walk rooted in Jesus, the natural inclination is to do what we were made for, worship as we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness and gratitude to God. That's because he has redeemed us. So yes, you could teach and learn, and then you could correct, and then you could come together and worship because God pulls us together because he has made us not just a people, but his people. And so if we are a people and not just any people, but we're gods, we owe him everything. And everything we do is to glorify him because he has made it so we never walk alone. God has assured us that, we will, that he will never abandon us, that he will never leave us, Right? We are comforted by the ever-present Holy Spirit indwelling in each of us, but also binding us in unity, that we could walk together, striving with each other, enduring with each other, and building each other up and inviting others in, because that's what successful community does. 
when you see a successful community, you don't just see it stay the same size. You see it start to blow up. You see it start to grow. Why? Because other people see it and they say, I want to be a part of that. I want to join in that. I want to be welcomed into that. Even in the hard times, I want to be in it. And we enjoy God through that. In his book, Life Together, 20th century German pastor and author, Dietrich Bonhoeffer puts it like this. The more genuine and the deeper our community becomes, the more will everything else between us recede. The more clearly and purely will Jesus Christ and his work become the one and only thing that is vital between us. We have one another only through Christ, but through Christ we do have one another, holy and for all eternity. So when I was 20 years old, me and a couple of friends, we decided to go on a trip, just a guy trip. Said, well, where are we gonna go? Let's go someplace adventurous, right? We're 20, we could conquer the world, right? So let's go to the Grand Canyon. Let's go check out the Grand Canyon. I mean, these are three, okay, so three Cuban Miami guys, right? So we're from a place that is as flat as flat can be. Right, like when people, people ask, how's Miami? You hold up a piece of paper. How's South Florida? Hold up a piece of, this is, this is what it looks like. And now we're going to a place that has mountains and ridges and caverns and canyons. <clears throat> so we go on this little adventure and we are, we're thinking, okay, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna go to the Grand Canyon and we're gonna go through the South Rim and there's this place called uh, the Bright Angel Trail. Hey, we thought, that sounds great. We're going to go down that way. And uh, I think we have a picture of that, of the, the ridge and the Bright Angel Trail. Um, no, that's us. That's, okay, so that's, that's us. You can see um, that's me on, on the far right. Oh, where has my youth gone? Um, but so that's, that's us before we started this trek. Uh, I think we have a picture of the, the Grand Canyon where, where we went down. Um, and so we go down the canyon and we think to ourselves, we're going to go all the way down to the bottom. We're going to camp or we're going to lodge. And then we're going to come uh, all the way back up the next day. When we get to the midpoint, when we get to the midpoint, there was a park ranger. And he asks us, where are you going? We tell him. And he says, you can't. You, do you have reservations for the lodge? Do you have a camping permit? I said, no. He says, well, this is as far as you go. We're like three hours in. And we're at this peak overlooking where we're supposed to go. So disheartened. But then our amazing and so wise 20-year-old guy brains kick in. And we say, permit? Lodge? We don't need no sticking permit. We're just gonna go all the way down there armed with our 20-year-old wits, right, some sandwiches and bottles of water, and then we'll come back up the same day. We can do it. So we went ahead. We went all the way down to the bottom. It took us six hours to get down there. We were so exhausted that we only hung around for about half an hour and then we started our way back up. But here's the thing about the canyon. It was in March and it was still kind of wintry. 
okay, so we're in Miami. So winter is this thing that happens <laughs> where it gets really cold in certain places and it could actually snow. That was the same, same thing for us. We're like, what is winter? What is this? But in the canyon, it's so interesting. At the base of the canyon, it gets really, really hot. At the top of the canyon, it was snowing. In the middle, it was kind of like a mix. So it was just mush and really cold rain. We start heading back up after six hours. And around nine hours in, we're already seeing that it's starting to get dark early. And we're making our way up and we start looking at each other and we really start thinking, we're gonna die. <laughs> There's nothing is going to be left of us. They're just gonna find empty water bottles and sandwich bags. Like they'll put a sign there that says, here lies the 305. That's it. It was it. And we're making it. It took us 12 and a half hours to get all the way back. And as we're making those last few miles, the dizziness starts setting in. And I remember walking and I just couldn't see very well. And all of a sudden I just feel forcefully, I get grabbed and yanked in uh, by my friend. It was three of us. And he just looks at me, and I looked at him like, whoa, what's going on? He says, Aurelio, you almost just walked off the canyon. And I'll never forget that. And I think my mom is here. This is probably the first time she hears this story. Sorry, mom. Um, so, but he says, you nearly walked off the canyon. We were able to make it back. We saw a light at the top of the ridge, it was like a city on a hill. It was actually a lodge on a ridge top, but still. It was, it was a light of hope for us. But I think back and I think if I would have gone that journey alone, I would not have made it. It took being with people that I trusted. It took being around someone who was willing to reach out and grab me when I was going off the edge and pull me back in. Here you see a picture of the after. You could see the staggered look on our faces and the mud. If you notice our clothes look a little darker, it's because we're completely soaked with, with rain and snow and caked up to our knees in mud. And it was a reality of being in community. It was a reality of knowing that someone was there to walk with me, even through the hard times, and to pull me back from the edge. And that's what God has built into us as his people, that we would walk together side by side through the joys and through the trials. That even in the times when it could be difficult to be with one another, we could endure together. We could forgive and we could reconcile and we could restore. And in all things we give thanks to him because the invitation to walk with me has a promise that you belong and that you'll never walk alone. Please pray with me. Gracious and heavenly Father, thank you so much for you. And thank you so much in your love and mercy that you have given us yourself, but you have given us each other. 
We are called by your name. We're your people. Lord, and we're your community. You've created us for one another. You've given us the beauty of relationship. And you've shown us what forgiveness and reconciliation look like so that we could be ambassadors of reconciliation to one another. God, and not just so that we could stay together in a room or in a gathering, God, but so that we could, Lord, so that we could blow the doors wide open and so the city can see your glory and your majesty and the people that you have made and the family that you've made and the community that you have blessed. Thank you, God, because we are here because of you and we are here for you. And we can enjoy you through worship and through each other. We praise you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.